open our eyes dear lord that we may see the wonders of your word amen today we are in second chronicles chapter 9 where we see Ezra the chronicler being used by the holy spirit to write out certain details that concerns matters of the very end of age and we would be wise to pay attention second timothy chapter 3 verse 16 says all scriptures god breath so ezra the scribe and priest was writing with his hand being guided by the spirit of the lord in the previous chapter we saw how solomon was well ordered until the construction of the temple and once it was over it indirectly implied that he was not well ordered that is rooted in the lord god of israel Today we are going to see further incidents in his life from the hand of Ezra which would point to some deep truths. The Bible is the most faithful book in the world. It tells the truth about its men and women. We have the tendency to eulogize our heroes, omitting altogether their faults. But the Bible gives us a true picture. Light or shade, good or evil are depicted without apology or excuse. It is a wonderful canvas of human life. Every face of human nature is exhibited in the portraits of the Bible gallery. The biographies of men in scripture is really helpful for us because the lives of men and women who speak to us from the pages of scripture is a veritable gold mine of experience to us because they lived very similar lives to us and either triumphed by faith or failed through disobedience or unbelief nowhere in all of human history in the entire world have we such an album of human life the bible's portrait gallery is stupendous what a mixture of character it presents inside the books of the bible we'll find kings and knaves princes and paupers the tender-hearted and the traitors the saints and the sinners the courageous and the cowardly here we have men and women of passions just like you and me no wonder the bible speaks of itself as a mirror as we look at the lives of its men and women inside the pages of the bible pure and profane we see ourselves indeed in this chapter just as in the previous one reading between the lines ezra presents a portrait of king solomon who was considered one of the greatest kings of Israel but actually his ignoring of God and disobedience to God's commandments laid the foundation for Israel's ruin this chapter second chronicles 9 starts off by espousing the wisdom of Solomon and how it was praised by queen sheba who came all the way from africa after hearing about the fame of solomon and his words and his wisdom but then if you notice further down in the chapter you can see a whole lot of gold being mentioned in this chapter there are 16 occurrences of gold in this chapter no other chapter in the bible has this many occurrences of gold it's as if this whole chapter is sparkling trying to gain our attention So what is it gaining our attention for? What is it seeking to tell us? Ezra the chronicler was pointing out to the people of Israel who came back from the exile from Babylon 
about how they had to mend their ways and he was doing that by writing the history of Israel and pointing it out to them one by one through the lives of the kings of Israel in this chapter he was pointing out the folly of Solomon just as he did in the previous chapter as well the huge amount of gold points out to the immense wealth of Solomon Solomon grew so fond of gold that the list is preposterous he seems to have had 500 shields made of hammered gold He had a great throne of ivory overlaid with pure gold. The throne had six steps and a footstool of gold. Amres on either side, 12 lines stood there, one each. Nothing like this had been made for any other kingdom. All King Solomon's drinking vessels were gold. None were silver. Everything was made of pure gold. King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. All the kings of the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom. See, he became haughty as well. He had 4,000 stalls for horses and chariots, 12,000 horsemen, and they brought horses to Solomon from Egypt. Solomon ignored all the instructions that the Lord had given for the kings in Deuteronomy chapter 17. He was in direct violation of verse 16, where he bought horses directly from Egypt which the Lord prohibited to do so. He was again in violation of verse 17 where he had multiple wives for himself claiming to be alliances that he made for peace. But at what cost? At the cost of ignoring God's word. Verses 18 and 19 he completely ignored and did not write for himself a copy of the law book. He was also in direct violation of verse 20. where his heart was lifted up above his brethren by building up that huge throne god had specifically warned not to multiply for himself silver and gold if you remember david had acquired all the gold only for the use in the temple of the lord whereas solomon got all the gold for his own personal use and just as in the previous chapter here to ezra gives a clue In verse 13 is the clue which points out a big detail. What is that? The weight of gold that came to Solomon yearly was 666 talents of gold. One talent is about 34.2 kilograms. So 666 gold talents is 22,777 kilograms. That is worth about 1.24 billion US dollars today. or 90 billion rupees today even today we see many men making for themselves shirts of made of gold watches made of pure gold etc and this shows how they are crazy for gold so solomon was one of those crazy lunatics and it's a laughable matter that he was called one of the wisest men while it is a laughable matter It is sobering to put ourselves in King Solomon's shoes and consider that sometimes when everything seems to be going well in our lives it may not be the result of God's blessing but is abandonment in Jeremiah chapter 12 the prophet claims that the Lord is righteous but still questions the Lord's judgments by asking the question why does the way of the wicked prosper 
King David also addressed this very same issue in Psalm 73 verse 3 where he stated that the ungodly are the ones who prosper in the world and increase in riches it is not entirely true that all people who prosper are ungodly but then it's just that when we are prospering materially it doesn't necessarily mean god is favoring us we could be in a slippery place and we better be giving god the glory for our successes Solomon though took the credit for his own success and he further indulged in his own passions of money power and women Solomon thought he was rich he was prosperous and he needed nothing but then the bible and the lord has very specific things to say to him and to all those who have that mindset In fact the Lord becomes a businessman just like Solomon God becomes a gold trader a cloth merchant and even a medical representative surprised don't be turn to revelation chapter 3 verses 14 to 22 look how he says therefore i counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire that you may be rich and white garments to clothe you and to keep the shame of your nakedness from being seen and salve to anoint your eyes that you may see if you see to whom these words are being spoken to it is in the previous verse for you say i am rich and i have prospered and i need nothing not knowing that you are wretched pitiable poor blind and naked and who are these people the previous verses refer to them as the lukewarm christians the lukewarm christians do not have the fervor and warmth and zeal of a true lover of christ nor are they outright unbelievers who flatly reject jesus and make no pretense of faith in fact they are halfway in between Christ has a moderate influence on their lives but then they have cleverly devised ways to compartmentalize Jesus into one of the many things that they do in their lives they have compartmentalized Jesus into the Sunday version and for the rest of the days they go out and live in the world just as they please the lukewarm christians do their prayers at meal times or at bed times but then they do not burn with a desire for more of god Look at Jesus' threat to that lukewarm church. He says he will spew them out of his mouth. What a gross and startling imagery that is. How do we know whether we are a lukewarm Christian or not? Ask yourselves these questions. Do you seek the Lord earnestly and often in secret for deeper knowledge of Christ, for greater earnestness in prayer, for more boldness in witness, for sweeter joy in the Holy Spirit? for deeper sorrow for sin for warmer compassion for the lost for more divine power to love others if you answered yes for those then probably you are not a lukewarm christian verse 17 tells us how jesus looks at them he sees them as wretched pitiable poor blind and naked even though they had everything even though solomon had everything all the gold in the world and all the riches in the world he sees them as wretched pitiable poor blind and naked therefore the lord asks to buy gold refined by fire white garments to clothe us and salve to anoint our eyes that we may really see our pitiable condition 
but he just described us as poor blind and naked so how do we buy it from him he gives the answer in verse 20 you don't have to go out work and get the money and buy it from him he says you just invite me in into your heart you don't have to work and earn all these things you just need to pray and that's where he says behold i stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door i will come into him and eat with him and he with me actually this verse is given to those who want to accept jesus for the very first time which is also really good but then this is actually meant for lukewarm christians who think that they do not need anything who think that just saying a grace before meals is enough christianity for them or those who think that putting on a pretense or a false mask is enough to pass on as a christian but christ is not looking for such a relationship he is looking for a relationship where he will come in into all the compartments of our lives dwell inside us be a part of each and every decision that we make in our lives can we honestly say that the lord is with us today and helping us make each of the decisions in our lives let us ponder finally there is a great truth in the number given in second chronicles chapter 9 verse 13 the number 666 this number is listed out only here and elsewhere in the bible in revelation chapter 13 where it describes the antichrist this chapter began by commending solomon for his great wisdom but then steps through his decline He begins violating the rules for kings by multiplying gold, multiplying horses, multiplying chariots and finally multiplying wives, who in turn turn his heart away from following Yahweh the true God. He sets up centers of false worship for all the foreign gods of his wives. Similarly, in Revelation chapter 13, we see a false worship being set up there as well, the image of the beast which must be worshiped. This will happen at the end of the age just before the return of Jesus Christ and it also says that everyone should get the mark of the beast as well to survive on this earth we'll see about it in detail when we go into the book of revelations but for those of you who are interested you can go into youtube and search ambassadors for christ the satanic trinity and see the videos i've uploaded which would give a good understanding So a question may arise here. So how does this number 666 mentioned in this chapter correlate to the 666 mentioned there? In the Bible we are told that by the witness of 3 a fact is resolved. So we shall see where else this occurs. We see the number 666. We see it listed in 2 Chronicles chapter 9 verse 13 and we see it listed once again in 1 Kings chapter 10 verse 14. And where is the third listing? If you see If you count all the names of the men listed from the Bible starting from Genesis, Adam, Eve, Cain, Abel, Enoch, Erad, Mehujael, Methushel, Lamech and so on, when we come to the 666th name mentioned in the Bible, it is none other than Solomon. The Old Testament is a type and shadow of the New Testament. So here Solomon serves as a type and shadow of the coming false messiah the antichrist solomon was a king from among god's people the israelites and called the son of david whereas jesus is the son of david 
Solomon had vast wealth and loved his money. He was a great military strategist and he had a great army as well. He had many alliances with many kings and he flourished in business as well. He was the first king to engage in false worship and to lead God's people into idolatry. We read about the attributes of Antichrist in Daniel chapter 8 and chapter 11. He seems to have a strong, greedy and harsh personality and one who sets himself above all others. He is very arrogant and has great power too and he will eventually persecute God's people. And just like Solomon, he would make alliances with many nations in the name of peace. This great pandemic, the COVID-19, if it has taught anything, it has taught that the end of this age is literally very near. Even those who had nothing to do with God have turned back to look at God after this pandemic had ravaged the entire earth. But to just look at God is not enough. We need to let Him in. We need to have fellowship with Him and we need to live our life in accordance to His will and His word. Just as the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 and 16, Pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. May God bless these words. Amen.